Welcome back to the 443 Podcast. My name is Matt, as always, and I'm joined with my colleague Reese, who looks like Emperor Palpatine right now. <laughs> I got the hoodie on, guys. Yeah. Um, it's Super Bowl Sunday for us Americans, but not a Super Sunday in regards to some score lines. Uh, well, we have for me it was. Arsenal beating the shit out of some teams. You have City winning, uh, Liverpool winning. Uh, well, City, City played twice in six days, and they just scored five goals. Yeah. So that's where we're going to start off first. We're going to catch up in the game we missed from the earlier in the week. Yes. Uh, so that was um, in regards to... Um, Brentford City. Yes. Oh, no. The Monday game, which was... Um, yeah, that was City versus Brentford. That was a game we missed. Oh, yeah. My yeah. bad. My bad. I got you, man. I was um, thinking for some reason they played yesterday, but that was Everton. My yeah. bad, people. Uh, well, yeah, yes. they played Everton yesterday. They On, mo- on the Monday, after we recorded, right. they played Brentford. Um, Mopes opened that game up, scoring <laughs> Brentford's lone goal at minute 21, and the man over celebrated. Like I hate the celebration beliefs, but he always goes a little too crazy for me when it's too early. Yeah, especially when you're playing against City. But yeah. sometimes, if you're playing against a big team like City, yeah. you gotta you gotta show some emotion. Man. No, I'm not I, I'm not mad at yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm not ever mad at emotion. Like I almost got drawn into the debate of the celebration police Arsenal with a friend of mine. And she was citing the, um, she was offended by the three Manchester United players sitting on the bench. And I was like, they're, they're in college, man. Leave them alone. Like, they're basically, yeah, yeah, the age of college. Yeah. What were your what were your thoughts on the game as a whole? On this game, um, it was the Phil Foden show, man. Yeah. I think it was his best game ever. Probably the best game that we've seen from Phil he Foden He had a hat a trick at 45 plus 3, 53 and 70. Right at the death of the first period, and then he controlled the second period. Yeah. On the rewatch of this, it was just his game in that second half. Brentford couldn't touch him. Yeah, post game, he did say that if there is one thing that um, he hopes with KDB being back is he hopes to continue getting this amount of playtime because typically, when KDB is healthy and playing, we don't see Phil Foden that much because he usually is drifted back into the bench or he's coming off of the right wing position. Um, he did say he wanted to be in that midfield with KDB, so. That means you're either pushing Bernardo out to right wing or pushing him to the bench, which Rodri. yeah, or and and no one's touching yeah, Rodri no one's right touching now. Rodri. So um, Rodri but, is the lucky lucky rabbit's foot of world football. Exactly. Now a lot of people say is Phil Foden the long term answer, the the succeeder to David Silva to KDB. Do you think Phil Foden's next in line for that, Matt? The next in line of the <sighs> that's the, a hard the, question because yeah. I don't think Phil Foden will ever be as good as those guys but it's hard to have two to replace two like icons in my opinion because right. you've made your your presence unknown on silva and i made my presence known for my thoughts on kdb we both hired them in higher esteem i think full Foden could get to that like if they're like one a he could be like one b or c yep. he can be in that con- that that good of a play a great player but maybe not as good as those two but who knows we don't know what's going to be the future for city we don't know what's going to be the future for him i mean his first like real season i'm just going through some of the stats now it's like his first real season was in 2020 the 2020 21 covid mm-hmm. season that's when he played his most game time and he was 20 years old at the time so he's 23 now and i'm just thinking like with the amount of trophies this man already has i know some of it isn't of course him being the main mm-hmm. guy on that team but as a long-term answer 
if it's Erling Holland and and Phil Foden as the long term duo, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I, you can't go wrong with with uh, with anybody uh, uh, in that in that duo there. So, so Reese, what were your final thoughts in this game? So we're going to stay on City because we're going to cover their yeah. their they cl- closed last week and open this week. So let's get some final thoughts on this one. And move on to their Everton matchup. Yeah. So final thoughts. Uh, I agree with you, Phil Foden. Show. Uh, I thought Ruben Diaz looked a little bit better over his form over the last couple months. Haven't been great. Um, and Ivan Tony, he kind of got uh, uh, shut down a little bit, but he did have some plays in the window uh, of their first goal as well. So credit to City. Uh, we go into the Saturday slate. Guys, we're not going to do a huge review. Uh, the big one, obviously, is Manchester United Villa. Um, in retrospect, we still will cover that a little bit more in depth, but we won't be doing our full you know, half an hour. Because of the split. And then we'll probably have to do the same format next week because Crystal Palace versus Chelsea is on Monday. Yeah. And we'll have to cover that on our next podcast. The villains. I was about, I was about to, you know, if you guys, in this loss, Aston Villa, by the way, before we jump to City, I'm just saying, they've, they were a cauldron at home. They've now dropped some points, dropped Six. some games. It's, it's getting tough. But anyways. But back to Everton yes. City. Um, this one was... Kind of a similar story to the last game. Mm-hmm. I saw this. I saw this on because um, I was uh, driving last, yesterday. I saw this one entirely on um, replay, oh, nice. and s- the city didn't have that opening goal like Foden did, but it was a brace by Holland at seventy-one and eighty-five. Yeah. And the first one was just a you know his little tap in crowd in the box, you know. But that second goal was was Holland. That was the Terminator, right there. Yeah, the Terminator was back. It wasn't this little guy who pinks it in from the box. Who I I call it stat padding, Harry Kane right. in it. Um, the, the, you saw what he was in that second goal. He yeah. took on three defenders, beat him, and then scored the goal. The poor Jordan, Pick, uh, not Jordan, was it Jordan Pickford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys will have to give me some slack in, in today's episode in particular. I was wondering why I felt like I was forgetting something and I forgot my main notes of all my games that I like to cover. But in regards to what Everton that I saw, I mean, they were good for the first, the first 60, half, yes, yeah. 60 minutes, I'd even, yeah. I'd even say. No, I'd even, yeah. They, they just started to fall apart exactly. like in the late 50s. You could see the cracks start to form throughout the game they were bending but not breaking mm-hmm. until that 65th yeah. minute or so where, where city really put on the pressure um what did you think about uh everton in regards to after that moment did you think there was any chance that they could have scored because it looked pretty dominant from city after Once that first goal city popped it in a fifth gear i didn't think everton had a chance um they couldn't even stop them anymore yeah which they had done for like you said 60 65 minutes they couldn't even stop him anymore, let alone try and get something back. Because right. they, if they, if they went forward, City was going to go in and pick them apart again. Yeah, and this, um, unfortunately, it is a big loss for Everton because we'll have to see where the table was because it was a crazy Saturday for the relegation mm-hmm. battle teams as a whole. So we'll definitely recap the table. Uh, again, credit to City. You know, this is the City team that we expect. We're into that range of February, March, April where City goes on on one of their winning streaks. So they're fully healthy now. It's and it's going to be tough seeing them. Fortunately, drop it doesn't look like the villains will play spoiler like I'd hoped. Yeah. It's up to Liverpool and Arsenal to stop them. But at the same time, though, we've seen the villains against City earlier in the season, and they completely beat the hell again. Up. But that was Rodriguez City. That's true. Rodri right. is back, and he has KDB and Holland as his like You're backup right. dancers. It's a different City they're facing now. <laughs> Um, Shout out Usher. He's going to be the halftime yeah. show at the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was the vision in my head, like a spotlight on Rodri, and that spotlight pops on KDV and Holland in the background just dancing for him. Uh, into the next game here, guys. Uh, we have Fulham uh, at home defeating Bournemouth 3-1. to 
Not a scoreline we saw coming, but honestly, it's not surprising because this Fulham team continues to surprise us with different types of form and performances. It's not even surprising. It's just they're so streaky. Yeah. Like, they are going to stay up. They're no in danger of going down. You know, we'll check where they're at on the table because Mm -hmm. the table just shifted around so much uh, the last two days. Yeah, and... I thought in particular Fulham for Muniz, Muniz who had the brace for Fulham. It was his like first two goals in 16 games. I wasn't I was concerned about the striker position for Fulham and I thought them bringing in Broha was was good competition and you know Broha didn't get the start but Muniz comes with the brace so it sounds like the competition at the striker position is helping them a little bit. So um, watching the Sher- Cherry Prince have his little head in the hands and that stare into the distance trying to look hard just was kind of he wasn't trying to be look hard he is hard pause he is a gangster yeah determined um however he he has david moise in it yeah just trying not to let let the tears show yeah i'm sure he uh i mean in in this type of game i think it's a it's really one of those games for for bournemouth where it's sort of a dust off i mean they've been in insane form over the last month or so these teams are in no danger and they're getting into this period of the season where they just have to make sure they don't allow anyone below them to catch them and, you know, see if they can go anywhere um, up mobile upwards. But I think they're so far down, it's not going to really make much of a difference. Yeah, and, and as for Bournemouth, I mean, they still have a little bit of a gap between them and, like, the true bottom half of the table. Like, they're in the bottom half, but not they're not in the bottom portion of where they should be worried about relegation. But Fulham, that was a huge three points of them just to continue to keep the cushion. Uh, oh, any final thoughts before we jump into the next one here, man? Honestly, no. You kind of sum this up as one of those duffed-off games. I mean, you basically went against your equal, and you lost. Yep. Um, Two evenly matched mid-table teams. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good game, and it just felt like Bournemouth really couldn't get it going towards the, towards the second half as well. So, uh, Into the next game here, I really thought, watching this game, Matt, that this was an upset on the cards, or at least drop points. Liverpool at home defeating Burnley 3-1. to one. So I, thought, I didn't get a chance to watch this game. Can you yeah. go into your thoughts on it? Yeah. So Bur- all I have is the data, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. So Liverpool dominated the game from a possession standpoint and from a shots. I think they had over twenty shots or something like that. And um, but like when Burnley would attack, their attacking patterns were really good. Uh, we saw David Dotrofofana, who's been sort of a, a star man since he's joined. He's joined Burnley, and he finally got his start for them. Again, very raw player. I think he was the he's either the first or second player to dribble past Van Dyke this season. But he so, also has some trust, trouble passing. I think that's where he needs to work on his game. So was this a counterattacking Liverpool? Uh, it was a counterattacking Burnley side. They mm. were playing more of a low block, but Liverpool's opportunities at goal were very slim. Okay. Um, company so organized kept... at the back, but then yeah. when they got in, they got in. Because it seems like it was pretty spread out, the goals. It wasn't just one flurry of getting them. Exactly. And... and Liverpool in the second half has been insane uh, in, in in terms of the second half of the 90 minutes. They are just a really good team, and we always see them struggle in the first half of games. I think that's why I thought they would drop points, but then the second half comes around, and it looked like the usual Klopp-Liverpool attack. They broke down companies' organized defense, and there's really no shot from from once the second half started. It was over. Gotcha. Oh, man. I, that sounds kind of like a depressing game to watch. Um, where are we headed next? Oh, yes. Matthew, 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 Matthew. I'm gonna I'm gonna soak this one in, Matthew. You talked about something being a little depressing. Okay. The Blades of Wilder away at Luton, defeating Luton Town three to one. Let's hear it. 
Give me my props. I told you guys that the Blades of Wilder had something for this Luton team, and he showed them the Blades. Fair enough, man. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I was really disappointed, Luton. This is their opportunity. They had when yeah. they went on that amazing run last time. They had their opportunity against, I think, Burnley to like yep. do it, and they didn't do it. They can't seem to beat the two teams below them, but they can like beat the top six. Yeah, teams. they can slap <laughs> the crap out of the teams above them, and it's like I. I'll, I'll tell you why. I was guys. I'm I'm literally was driving to Northern Arizona yesterday wearing a Luton Town hat. I was in the snow wearing shorts, wearing my Luton Town hat over uh, under my hoodie, crunching through you know Biosphere Two. That is a true Arizonan right there. Yeah. That it's only in Arizona that would wear shorts in the snow because they've never. Or Norwegians. Like, we're not used to that type of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know it was gonna snow, but I still look cool doing it with my Luton Town hatters hat on. Yeah, well, now you look like a goofy with your Luton Town hat on because yeah. the Blades of Wilder. Sorry, I had to get my bragging rights. Yeah, yeah I got you, man. <laughs> uh, but into the game itself. Um, and I should have seen this coming because they can't beat those two teams below them, but they can do good against everyone else. To, to be fair to the both teams, though, this was a very physical uh, game. Well, um, Blades I, came out from the jump ready to yeah. give it to them. And, and, th- and Luton had most of the possession, I'm pretty sure, or at least it would have looked like. And in terms of the shots, I think Luton also had the upper edge. But in terms of clear-cut chances, Sheffield made their uh, attempts on goal count. And I'm almost concerned for Luton because with the limited amount of opportunities Sheffield had, they cut through them like butter in those opportunities they did have. Um, I thought with, in particular... Uh, McAtee and Cameron Archer again were the star men for Sheffield United um, and made all the difference and Matt what are your thoughts on players shushing the crowd after they score like I think it's bad karma I think it you might do worse do, may do more damage than you will normally but to check in on the stats because I I only watched the abridged version of this game and it seemed to me like Sheffield was dominant but you were right. They only had 25% possession, seven shots to 20 Luton, 75% yep. possession from Luton. That's what it felt Luton like. Luton passed them 563 passes to 192. And a pass accuracy from Luton of 85 to 57%. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like the quality was there for, for Luton. But Luton fouled the sh- got the. It was a it, it was a proper yeah. it was a proper championship type of game in my opinion very physical. Um, but Matt, what were your final thoughts before we jump into the next game here? Uh, sadness. <laughs> uh, I just was very. I we got done with the tour and I jumped back in the car to drive to to lunch with my friends and I saw that they lost. Yeah. When I looked, they were tied. But it was a good game though overall. It was very physical. Um, but in regards to the shushing of the reason I ask about the shushing yeah. of the crowd, it's just like. I don't know, man. I understand wanting to ant up the away fans, and it's a big rivalry game. Um, but at the same time, these guys are paying money to watch players, and they pay your bills. I just shushing the crowd just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm down for the little comma thing, you know, mm-hmm. when they do like the little comma thing. That's fine. Yeah, or you do like the hands to your ears, or you plug your ears. But in terms of shushing the crowd, it's just it's a little little much because then you're just asking for the wanker sign to be thrown at you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. A lot of the celebrations, it's like unless you kind of have a trademark, if you just kind of do whatever when you score, it kind of feels weird. That's true. I'm it's just you. like, okay, man. Like Into the next game here, guys. What uh, we had next, Reese? We have Tottenham at home defeating Brighton in an absolute heartbreaker for Brighton. Uh, Matt, I kind of want to start us off here because I watched the entirety of this game. Um, man, I, I really thought 
Brighton deserve the win in the in the dying embers of this game. The final, uh, I thought it should have been one one. I th- the draw would have been fair, but in terms of the final twenty minutes, it felt like Brighton were this close to minuscule moments away from scoring. They had two opportunities that I can think of where Ansu Fati was right in front of goal and just drifted the ball wide on a perfect uh, 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 through ball to him from Matoma and. Man, Matoma was back in the lineup, and he was unplayable. He absolutely cooked Poro and made him look like a child out there. I just thought it was a pretty even game. I yep. thought she ended 1-1. Spurs had just as many chances, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then once Spurs brought on uh, Mr. Sun himself, the Korean king, it was it was pretty much GG's from there. He was a difference maker with Madison. Um, I thought Kulisevsky had a pretty poor game. Uh, I saw him leaning off sides a couple times, didn't play the right through ball uh or I guess make the right plays in circum- circum- certain circumstances. Um, but yeah, I, I felt Brighton deserved something from this game. It was it was a big heartbreaker from Tot, uh, for, yeah, for, from Brighton Johnson. Yeah, I didn't think Spurs deserved, or, and I hate when we say deserved. Yeah. On the balance of the game, it should have been a, a there we draw. Go. You're right. Um, because both teams had, basically it was a pretty dang equal game in yeah. my opinion. Other than that just deflection at the end and the bumbling around of bodies and ball and... And there was no Deserby. Uh, they had their assistant coach on the pitch. Uh, Thank you. I, they kept showing a guy when they would do something. <laughs> he kind of looked like Klopp's little brother. <laughs> yeah. That, he looked like a guy dressed dressing like Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. He kind of like liked the long guy, hair, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Looked like a young guy who like like went to a barber and showed him a picture of the guy he admires <laughs> and said, make me look like this guy. And then went to his automatist and said, make me look like this guy. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the last goal for Tottenham, a great he needs to chain smoke to get that clop skin and and demeanor. Yeah, get the veneers too, make them mm-hmm. shiny teeth. Oh yeah, shine them up. Uh, but in terms of the final goal, Sorry, uh, I would love a hug from Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> great build up play from Spurs, uh, and then with, with Son making the move down the left flank for the mm-hmm. cross all the way to Brendan Johnson, who had an easy tap in. Very Brighton were caught sleeping. Uh, Stupin Yon, that's a terrible mistake there. But again, for Brighton, that left flank. And Billy Gilmore as well played really well. But Matoma and Estupinyan back together. Brighton are going to be scary going forward, guys. So do not take that team lightly. They are going to be serious uh, now that Matoma's back, in my opinion. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the next game here, guys. We have uh, Wolves at home losing to Brentford 2-0. Uh, Brentford off the back of their Monday defeat to City. Come back in dominant fashion and defeat Wolves. What were your thoughts on the game, Matt? I couldn't believe that Brentford did Wolves like that after they what they did to Chelsea. Yeah, I thought this would be a Wolves win. I thought it would be a draw or a Wolves win. To yeah. be honest with you, I never expected Brentford to to, to be especially too. Like I'm happy for them to bounce back from that City loss. Like you always call these dust off games. They dust themselves off and they try it again. Exactly. And in regards to uh, Brentford, uh, their low block yesterday or on sorry on Saturday, depending on when you guys are listening to this on Saturday was very well organized uh, for Thomas Frank. Uh, typically a team that is usually a low-block team that plays on the counterattack, but now that Tony's back in the lineup, who can help? They have an outlet. Yep, and he can also help facilitate the through balls to Embuemo or Wisa, whoever he's playing so, with. I saw bits and pieces of this game. Usually to see the brilliance of Tony, you kind of have to watch the whole game. Yeah. Um, was their goalkeeper doing the Raya special and pitching the ball out to him long? Yeah, that's something. That, and I think this is sort of a Brentford thing uh, that you guys kind of, I think this is kind of why you uh, you, you bought Raya. Mm-hmm. Is, is they want to be ball playing the, the goalkeeper. The distribution. And yeah. I... 
it's hard to find a goalie you can do it effectively. And that's why I was wondering if they still had that in their toolbox. Gotcha. Yeah, their goalkeeping right now isn't great. Because um, it didn't show in the goal that Tony scored. But I, yeah. it's one of those things like you see it. When I watched Brentford live, you saw him do it like seven times right. in the game. But the only time they showed it on the recap when I was at the bar was that score, the goal. Gotcha. He didn't show the five other times he's just... You're right. Saliba and Gabriel out of position. You're right, though. The, the, the Brentford goalkeeper had a great game in terms yeah. of distributing the ball. I mean, it was a deserved clean sheet. Mm-hmm. It was dominant from Wolves, but again, the organization from, from Brentford so, really set them apart this game. I listened to um, a YouTube on the picking of the manager for Liverpool, mm-hmm. and the bookies seem to be having Thomas Frank right up there with um, Javi Alonso from Leverkusen, who, have, by the way... Yeah, may have won, just won the Bundesliga. Hey, well, was, that was my stoppage time question. That okay, would be my stoppage well, we'll, we'll save it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on Thomas Frank, so they were saying that Liverpool is of the opinion that Frank plays a similar football to Jurgen Klopp. Hmm. I see bits and pieces of it, but then again, this is just rumors. But they made me think like they highly prize Frank as an option. Yeah, I see bits and pieces of Klopp, but I don't see Klopp. But maybe it's because I admire Klopp so much for his personality. Um, I'll tell you why. The atta- yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you if you could kind of break it down yeah. for me. The attacking patterns of Thomas Frank in terms of their counterattack are very, very, very similar to what uh, Klopp does uh, with Liverpool. Liverpool. Yep. And, you know, with what he does with his goalkeeper, well, he will just send it long. If there's a player making a run like Salah down the right flank and Allison pins him, that's kind of what Brentford like to do as right. well if they can get it out quick. So this is... Basically, they're looking at budget budget Liverpool yes. to fill the gap. Okay, and it's like terms, City wanted to, Arsenal wanted to be more a possession based team, so they went and got I don't want to say bargain. Yeah, well, and in terms of discount, yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, the defensive portion, yeah, he's nothing like Klopp because Klopp is very extreme in his high press, high line. Where Frank, he he kind of goes game by game on on depending on the opposition and. You saw yesterday with Wolves where, you know, he allowed Neto, Cunha uh, to get on the ball. But as long as they were sit tight, they were stuck in the middle and then the low block, they weren't going to be broken down. Because one, fortunately, one of the things that kind of threw me off on watching these games is there were actually two really good other games in other leagues yep. this week. That um, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I did not watch uh, the 1030 slate of the Newcastle Forest game that we'll get into because of the other games that were yeah. going. It was just too big of a, of yeah. a football weekend. Because I really thought that Real Madrid was going to have some trouble. We'll, we'll get into Leverkusen yeah, st- and the, the Bayern later. because I it's, think Real Madrid's about. part of that too. We'll just, okay, never mind. We we'll, will discuss world football at the end of this we'll podcast. Get to it. Let's focus on, we got three games left to go. Yeah. Let's jump into the game that both you and I had very little exposure to. The um, <laughs> Forest, uh, yep. Forest at home. Heroicism versus Newcastle. There we go. Forest at home, losing to Newcastle, 3-2. to two. Um from what I saw in the highlights, it was a Bruno Grimera show, but it was also it a... It to see him back, because yeah. I, I watched an Instagram video of the highlights on this one, guys, in three and a half minutes, Jeez. and it was just a Newcastle with, like, Newcastle, two seconds of forest, Newcastle, Newcastle, two seconds of forest, Newcastle, Newcastle. <laughs> and Matt, that's basically what it was. Okay. <laughs> uh, Newcastle had majority of the possession. Uh, Nuno came out with his low block, uh, trying to wait for the counterattack type of uh, process, and Nuno, not saying he's as good as Thomas Frank, but he, he is very similar in regards to he has a play style dependent on his opposition. He knew that there was a big size difference with Newcastle to his forest side, so he wanted to play a low block to kind of keep as many bodies in the box to avoid 
you know, an excess amount of crosses, uh, through balls to, to Callum Wilson or whoever was playing that striker position. So, uh, man, I'm tired of the disrespect for Nuno, man. He, he continues to make these games entertaining mm-hmm. to watch. He continues to make these games close and he continues to get flack for not being a good manager when he is there. If he had a more quality side, I know his time at, with Spurs was not great. But his time at Wolves was insane, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Well, I'm gonna. So I think just like Arsenal after um, yeah. Wenger left, uh, Conte back to back with Mourinho was gonna leave. Oh no, wait a minute. He was at. He came after Mourinho before Conte, right? At Spurs. So yeah, he, he was in that. Crazy Conte sandwich. was hired in the mid, uh, right around the halfway point of the season because after Nuno was sacked. Yep. Okay, so he went into a dysfunction sandwich. These guys both come in, they're incredibly aggressive guys, and they burn stuff, people out. Yeah. Nuno doesn't seem like that kind of guy to me. Nope. He seems like a team player kind of guy. And so I think that the Nuno Ange kind of got lucky because Conte doesn't burn out teams as bad as Mourinho does. Yep. And also he was able to galvanize that team because they had that, I think the rally, Harry Kane leaving was the biggest favor to him in getting that team to play yeah. um, the way he wanted them to play. And I think Nuno was going to struggle with Kane being there because Kane is your best player and you kind of have to play to Kane. And Son. Kane and Son, you have to play to the best of their abilities. But Son also, to me, seems like a linker guy more. I know Kane showed it, but to me, Son seems like he's happy to help his friends. Kane always just kind of... And maybe this is the Arsenal fan. I mean, I'm well, trying not to be biased, but in the English games... I'll too. try and be objective for yeah. you in this because Kane, in my opinion, is a very selfless striker. He has probably the most assist and goals. I think he had the most goals and assists in a season And that always last surprises year. me because I never see him do an assist. Okay, so this it's is... anyone but Son. Okay, so this is where... <laughs> this is where with the underrated portion of Kane comes out because if you and guys we'll get back into this game in a second but you're listening to a podcast so enjoy this uh Harry Kane when he drops with the way Harry Kane has played over the last decade for Spurs he has dropped into the midfield and he has played long through balls to one of those wingers majority of the time it is son it is usually son so I'm gonna show my bias here to be fair the only time I ever really saw Harry Kane play was against Arsenal, Arsenal until we started doing this podcast okay and he plays differently against Arsenal from what other people have told me than any other team he wants to give it to him because he used to be an Arsenal fan growing up and they cut him from the academy and he seems to be vintage Gareth Bale whenever he played them for the last eight years right so maybe it's because I have a snippet of him and there are certain players that play differently against certain teams yeah um, and this is how, I mean, this goes for most players, I mean, in like terms... Like Gary Neville used to love to give it to uh, Liverpool and Everton for some reason. He... <laughs> well, and I think this is what's underrated about Ivan Tony's game, for example, is because his long ball ability to play these through ball, much like Harry Kane, but it's not to the quality of Harry Kane. Harry Kane is a very, very good passer on the ball. And, and, I, no, and I see that in statistics, but I don't see it with my eyes. Because when you. we started doing this podcast, he had just left, and I yep. only ever really watched him because I don't... I didn't watch Spurs unless it was Spurs versus City. This is the most yeah. in-depth of football outside of Arsenal that you have been in regards well, no, no, to. No, there were other teams I cared about. Like, I would watch yeah. Crystal Palace and I would see them play. But in but terms I, of the league as a whole. Yeah, from the league as a whole. I gotcha. You're making me look at all these teams. Like, I really, like you said, you love the affinity and love for the Cherry Prince. You've given <laughs> me that affinity and love. Perfect. I've given you a little bit of my loot and love. Yep. I've seen yep. 
glimpses of what Luton can do early on in the season. And I was like, I, I love their story and I like them. Yeah. But I'm a narrative guy and you're a tactics guy at our hearts. Yeah. And I've given you some of that narrative because you you didn't have it when we first yeah. became friends. For sure. You were more like, Chelsea needs to dominate everything. <laughs> uh, and now you look at the different narratives and stories that pop up. And Ange, First context, and, yeah, for sure. Ange and Kane, Kane leaving and Ange taking over at Spurs kind of gave me a little bit of a love for, um, not love, but respect for Spurs. I low-key think if Harry Kane was in this current team, James they, Madison would yeah. not be performing to the ability that he has been uh, this season. Fair enough. Because he's kind of getting into those spaces where Harry Kane would usually go to. So that's, would back to kind of my point, Harry Kane it may be selfless, but he does take a lot of oxygen out that's of true. the team. Very true. So, you see, guys, you, you see what happens when you have a debate, you come to an agreement. And yeah. I see where Matt's coming I think, from now. <laughs> but you've also educated me because, like I said, I had a limited sample size in Gary Kane because for you. a long time he used to be my least favorite player. And when we go into our stoppage time with Bayern in that game... Harry Kane was not utilized correctly, so shout out Tommy T. Back to this game, though, guys. Uh, final thoughts on the Forest. And Sorry Newcastle to game. go on a debate about something not relevant to this game, Newcastle, <laughs> but you had a you did what you needed to do, yeah. and good on you. It was a much needed three points uh, because the last couple games they had a draw against Luton. They had barely um, escaped, or they beat Villa a couple weeks ago. They've just been an off and on form, and I think they're sort of finally. Once they play you guys, I think it's the end of this month that you guys play them. Yeah, they come up right before um, we play City. I think they will. I think March on. I think Newcastle will have a much easier schedule that we may see them back sneak into the Europa League or Europe in general as they start to get healthy as well. And also, if Villa doesn't correct and um, Spurs gets less, continues to be streaky. Yeah, because they are picking up W's, but they're also taking L or draws when they don't need to. They're a haymaker team, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Into but. the Sunday slate, guys. Uh, let's give Matt some flowers. Arsenal away at West Ham, beating the shit out of uh, West Ham six nil. Matt, what the hell happened? Why were you guys so pissed? Why was there so many goals? So I don't know the reason. Well, okay, we'll get into this game, but I think something. Hold on, really quickly. Yeah. Was this personal for, for Arsenal and West Ham fans because of the whole Declan Rice saga? I think it was. And um, Clyde Palmer, a man on the Arsenal Vision podcast who lives in um, the Luton area and travels, or North London area, and yep. travels down for all the home games. Um, and when, and I can't wait to listen to his thoughts on this, but he was saying how when it was the home fixture in the, in the wind, like a couple weeks ago, honestly, um, he could tell that Declan was hurt by the West Ham fans giving him the stick. For sure. Um, they he they their entire game was just geared to just just rubbing it in that they were beaten. Then yeah. you know you went to a shit team. You'll never win a European trophy. All this stuff. And when he came off the pitch, Clive is at by the exit tunnel. Because um, I'm not at every game, and it's very it's hard to meet people that can go to every game. So I do yep. take his thoughts into advisement. He said Rice took this personally, and the way he described it reminded of me bartending during the Super Bowl where the Falcons demolished Tom Brady in the first half. Mm-hmm. And they showed that shot of Tom Brady going into the tunnel, and he was not going to let them do it to him yep. again. Now, I know that was an end of a game, and this is a half of a game. And that's but, also the GOAT versus yeah. Declan Rice, right? I got you. But <laughs> you can see where he came out with the look that Tom Brady went into the tunnel with. Yep. 
And that Tom Brady performance net me two two thousand five hundred dollars because I bet with all my customers. I took all my morning tips and put it on the line, and then I won. Who was your player of the game with all the goals and all the the, the success that you guys had today? Who so was your my heart says Declan Rice, and my head says Bukayo Saka. Yeah, I thought Bukayo Saka looked like Bukayo Saka today. He was back to Bukayo, um, and. I think him having that little slump at the winter kind of dulled his shine because what's funny is is that Phil Foden's having his best season since he came into the team, and Sokka's having arguably like his worst or since season. he came since he since he was a left back at Arsenal because mm-hmm. if you guys don't remember Sokka started. I'm as talking a left like back. once him they, he came once on, he transitioned yeah, to that after right that wing. Chelsea game yeah. on Boxing Day when he became the Bakayo Sokka we know, yeah. um, he's having his worst season, but it's like a half season against half season. Yeah. And he's starting to turn around. And I remember I was a kind of reactionary when he was in his slump. And it was nice to see him come back and realize he is a really dang good player. <laughs> Very true. See, for me, uh, Bukayo Saka is probably, like you said, my head. Pause. My head is Bukayo Saka. But my heart, man, it was it was Kivior, uh, left back who completely clamped down Bowen yesterday. Or not, I said yesterday. This morning. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> time, time is a construct that doesn't make sense anymore in general, guys. Uh, so we're going to switch into our metaphysical uh, yep, section yep. of the podcast, our philosophy side. <laughs> time has no meaning. It's a flat circle. Yeah. This sorry. morning. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I, when you said it, I completely agree with you. I was like, yeah, man, this, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> you, got, you guys got to realize games are at 7 a.m. for us Arizonans. Uh, but anyways, Kivior, uh, I thought was really good, and, and he shut down uh, uh, Bowen. And for him to step up in the absence of Zinchenko, where... Um, you guys haven't had a true defensive left back with Tur- with Timber being out. You guys, you guys needed somebody to step up in that he, defensive. He line. has struggled in that position before, and you're right. He is a good shadow. He would be like my rising star or my yeah. you know guy who made the jump up or whatever. You, yeah, I got sports you. most show. improved player of the season. Yeah. Sp- no, not improved player of the season. Well, like, well, actually, shoot, you know what? There's not a lot <laughs> to improve because it's like. Jorginho's always been that. He can't really improve. He's yeah. he's prime Chelsea Jorginho right now. Like, yeah, yeah. you're right. He because there's not a lot of Declan That's a team full of stars yeah. and he's probably the the team person that's not a star but, technically. So I watched this game, but I had to miss the fifth goal, which okay. I think was Sokka's penalty, because I don't remember that. Because I came back for the Declan Rice goal and you have a goal. And it was sixty five and I was like, Oh, Declan scored it's five zero. And I look at the board and I'm like, six zero. I haven't been gone that long. I literally went to go pee, and I missed the score, the third goal, or fifth goal. Sorry. Let's go to the other side with West Ham. Um, We know West Ham plays with the thought of absorbing pressure, Mm -hmm. and I feel like if you have that type of game plan against City or Arsenal, in particular City or Arsenal, where these teams suffocate you with their possession right outside the box... It's so tough to stay organized, and it almost felt like they were playing with 10 men with how low the block was. Well, and So, I, I believe it was Roger Bennett. I was watching something while I was waiting for you to come over on his little clips he does on the thing. And he was making fun of Arsenal for only scoring from corners and saying that the Trossard goal should be drugged back um, because it shouldn't count since Arsenal can only score from corners. And I'm looking at it this way. I think that against the low block teams, Arsenal has decided that they have to get on the scoreboard to open them up and have yeah. some chance of having open play goals. What's weird with West Ham is when they did open up, 
it's still they still kind of went back into their shell of a low block mm-hmm. each time you guys got possession after they had a window of opportunity. That's what I kind of felt was a little mm-hmm. off. Um, but I think that that's a, a decision that Arteta and the set piece coaches made is that they can control a set piece to a certain extent during the open play when teams like Wolves and City, or, sorry West Ham just yep. basically put ten men in front of the, the goalkeeper and build a wall like a little fort. Their only option sometimes is to break it out with a set piece. And you saw they did it against Crystal Palace. They did it against um, Nottingham Forest. They've done it now against West Ham. The only game they haven't really done it against was Liverpool because Liverpool come out and play. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yep. West Ham. Since the half. Sorry, the halfway point of the season. I got you. Since West Ham now dropped points to United last week in a very crucial European spot, they've now dropped points to Arsenal. Right now, West Ham are now in eighth place uh, because of the Newcastle win and obviously Man United winning as well. Um, man, I have to ask, should we even consider this a dust-off game for West Ham or are we start to seeing a turning point? Because I think they're really starting to miss Lucas Paqueta, uh, especially in their in their attack. But we've now seen them drop points in, in consecutive games against in, in, in huge games, I should say. And they also had to get a draw against Bournemouth as well at the mm-hmm. at the beginning of the month. And their next game up is against West Ham at Forest. Um, and Forest have been a tough team yeah. to play against. They're not an easy team. I don't think it's a dust off game anymore for them because Luton has shown that they like when we talked about you know Luton and Bournemouth and and um, who lost to Wolves Brentford Brentford oh no Wolves sorry Wolves lost to Brentford. Yeah. We called those three games in this podcast basically dust dust yourself off and get up and do it again. I think West Ham's beyond that point. I think West Ham is at that point where Arsenal was after the winter, the the December fixtures, where they are on life support and they need to figure out what they're doing. Sorry, I was, go ahead. I was checking to see when the last time they won a game, and it was against it's you Arsenal. guys in December of twenty, uh, December twenty eighth, yeah, of twenty twenty three. So you're talking about a whole month of of they That's got almost a mo- it's a, a little bit over a month and a half, right? They they walked away exactly. They walked away with in January with only two points out of those two games, which was Brighton and Sheffield, who they drawed. And then you come into February, you draw Bournemouth, you lose to United, and you lose to Arsenal. You have to win your next two games mm-hmm. against Forest and Brentford if you want to keep a Europa League spot. That's yeah. going to be or even team. a Europe, Europa Conference League spot. The, these next two games are going to be crucial for West Ham to decide how the rest of their season is going to. The go. only thing that they have going for the the well, that's not the only thing. They're a good team, but in terms of this stiff competition, they also yep. have the fact that they are in the Europa League and Paqueta is coming back. Right. If they can win, they can get into the Champions League through the back door, which a lot of teams don't have. Liverpool are in the Europa League with them, but they're already in first, second, or third. I don't see Liverpool dropping out of the top three. They're pretty much, unless a catastrophe happens, like their entire it's team. Liverpool, Arsenal, and City are for sure yeah. the top three. Yeah. I agree. And, it, and I'd, I'd even go as far as to say is most likely Spurs are finishing top four. I, I'm pretty confident in Spurs this season now that they have Madison back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sun, yeah, and now it, the distractions are over. It, I think Spurs, if Villa can't get their head right, they're yeah. going to have some trouble. Yeah, uh, but just a big week here, guys. Into the last Sunday game, uh, go Gunners! Uh, last, that's my final thought. Sorry, yeah, uh, <laughs> Gunners. Congrats, credit to Goons. Oh, I think our co-host is joining the uh, the, the booth. Uh, we have Villa at home losing to Manchester United and another sort of a heartbreaker where I think we both can agree that Villa deserves something from this game. They may have even deserved all three points, but death, taxes, and McTominay past the 70th, 75th minute. What were your thoughts on the game? Man? So my, I literally wrote down one note on this game. I feel bad for Villa. Once they finally locked in control after that uh, Hoyland 
goal yep. that kind of put them off balance. They looked like they were going to win it, only to have their, their, uh, their basically their their winning goal just stolen from them, passed to McTominay, and he just scores. It was very deflating because like Manchester United didn't look like they deserved to win this game in the final thirty minutes. But McTominay is Thanos in the final. One seventy-fifth minute hits. He is literally their old Gunnar Solskjaer. It's kind of yeah. crazy. I don't think we've ever seen this something like this, where a player of his quality, in my opinion, I'm not the biggest McTominay fan, drops off like this. Now we get into the game itself. Um, Hoijland is the youngest Man United player to score in five straight Premier League games. So again. With all the flack that Hoijlin got at the beginning of the season, you're starting to see the real player that they purchased, and which is, in my opinion, a, a awesome to see for a young. He's finally like getting him. service. They had these stats where, Thank like, you. he was getting wasn't getting the ball. You have a poacher striker who you're not getting balls in the box or getting yeah. the ball if you are in the box. He's off on the side outside the box. For some reason, I, I saw somewhere. I felt so bad for the young man this season. Yeah, before the, I think it was like before two games since he started to really go on this mm-hmm. form. I think he like five or six of his goals in the season. Only one or two of them were actual assists. Everything was all him either making a, a play break. on defense or off the break. So it's it's kind of crazy that he's finally getting delivery and. It could be due to United finally getting healthy. You know, Casemiro's back in the lineup. Well, Garnacho they say was his best his partner. Yeah. Um, well, him and Rashford as well are, are doing are having chemistry built now. Once that goal happened, I thought the game got really chippy in the first mm-hmm. half. Uh, it even got to the point. I don't know if you remember this, but Leon Bailey dribbled like three players on the right flank, and then Bruno just comes in and just goes right through. Yeah, it goes right into him. <laughs> he and then didn't he even argues with the ref. He didn't even touch the ball. Like Mm-mm. in my opinion, guys, I, I don't think it, it's not a red card, but it should have been. V- if you're in a VAR something, mm-hmm. like you guys love to VAR everything, why are you not VARing that play? This play was my example of when people talk about the orange card, the sin bin. Or the blue card. Is that what they're calling it now? Yeah, okay. it's and, blue card. In, in arguments, it was always called, like, I thought that was the descent card. I think we're like, right. but, so, this is the, I'm sorry, you just blew my brain here. So, the blue card is now the 10-minute sin bin thing? Yeah, that's the thing that they've been, like, typing okay. up in the rules or something. But okay. I heard it got delayed. But, yes, the blue so, card. So, I, when I heard this, it's always been called an orange card, the sin bin rugby thing rule. Right. Um because it's not a red, but it's more than a yellow. He, to me, is that this play he did was the perfect example of that. Like, get him off for a few minutes. Don't let him talk back to the ref. Don't let him act like he's innocent. Yeah. He did it, and he needs to be punished. But he sh- it, it's not a red, but it's worse than a yellow to me. You can tell. You can tell. Because he was cynical, and he knew what he was doing. Exactly. And then he tried to do what he always does and say, I didn't do it. I didn't mean it. You always mean it, Bruno. Unless you, unless your stoppage time question is that blue card thing, maybe for next week's stoppage yeah. time we should discuss the blue yeah, card. Yeah, let's discuss it. Let's both get... Um, I want to see if it is what the orange card is because I thought it was more of a you're talking back to me card from what I read, but I'll gotcha. do some more research Well, it basically on. is, uh, yeah. I guess. But yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you guys on that. Who blew, it, it, Like I said, we got it got they like rid it out. They like delayed it or something. Mm-hmm. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll still want to touch base on it. But I'll, I'll make that my one of my stoppage cool. times questions for next week. But cool. back to this game... It, Villa looked to me like they were the team that should have won it, but shoulda, woulda, couldn't have doesn't do you anything. Yeah. I thought Douglas Louise was unplayable today, mm-hmm. um, especially his goal. He started to shake his bomb bombs right in front of Onana. Oh, yeah. What was that? <laughs> that was so crazy, dude. Whoa, what was that? If you're going to taunt a goalie, at least look a little intimidating. Don't shake your bonbons right in front of it, dude. Yeah, by bonbons, he means he, he did his, like, shook his pectorals like he was a. Uh, 
grow a carnival on a parade in Rio. Yeah, the, the you. I mean, I get the samba stuff, but yeah. like that was a little crazy. Well, David, Lo, David Luiz, you know, Douglas Luiz, Douglas Luiz is Brazilian. You yeah. Know what I mean? But man, if he, that's his signature celebration, he's gonna be my nominee for patron saint next year. <laughs> I hope it's not his celebration. <laughs> but he was he was unplayable today. Uh, he was probably the Villa player of the game. Um, I thought Liam Bailey played well. It's just again, man, there's something missing in this Villa side. I think it's something to do in their attack, specifically down the left flank. They lack a little bit of support and service because it seems like it's usually just Matty Cash mm-hmm. from the left back position just literally flying into the box every single time they drive down the field. I think they need a left winger or left midfielder or some option on the left side of the uh, the field to give them a little bit more versatility, and then we can possibly see a better Villa side. But I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but Chelsea had a huge win midweek against Villa in the FA Cup, and everyone wrote off Chelsea. But this Villa side continues to show cracks, and they've dropped points, six points now at home, mm-hmm. and losing midweek at home. We need. I, I think Good Evening needs to reshape or, or look at a different option and for his lineup. As somebody who watched a team that had a lot of experience with, with Unai Emery, yeah. this is what I kind of noticed. He went in this unbeaten run with us, and this is when I started listening to more Arsenal podcasts, Arsenal-centric ones. Um, is to try and understand what was happening because I was seeing a team that was winning and drawing over and over again in the Europa League in the in the league, mm-hmm. and there were people raising alarm flags on this, and I didn't understand enough what was happening. And when Unai Emery, like Ange, has been able to have the good vibes and have them go away and then bring them back. Yeah. With Emery, it's like he doesn't have that tool. Once the sh- deflector shields on his starship go down. He doesn't have an engine. He doesn't have Scotty to get them back up and running again until the point. end of the season. That's, that is a very great point. He doesn't have another option or a, a plan B to, yeah. to get him back into the game. It seems like if they go down in a game, it's very and, hard for them to get back into it. And once they're down, it spreads. Like he doesn't. Once his message is done and it, it's not working, where he doesn't really have the ability to get it back until the next season starts. And Villa played very risky against United because yeah, they Emery, were falling into their traps. Yeah, and Emery loves to play his little high line nowadays uh, with the specific Villa team, mm-hmm. but he is also a very good defensive manager. And I feel like if you're playing against a counterattacking transition team who is as good as United, and especially the United team that we've seen over the past couple weeks, you're basically asking for them to 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 you know, you're playing as you said they're playing right into their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Garnacho was springing it a yeah, lot. A great he, movement. Mm-hmm. He didn't get any goals, but he, to me, if I had to pick a man of the match for, um, I know Hojun got the goal and McTominay got the late goal. To me, Garnacho was the man that was just ripping them apart like Very tissue consistent. paper. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. I, him and Kobe Manu, I thought, had great games. And his hair and jawline stand out so much, it's very hard to miss him. <laughs> I agree, man. That dude's got to have like the strongest... Never mind. Let's let's skip the conversation. He, he um, has a jawline like the White Cliffs of Dover. There like it is an intense jawline. It, like that thing could break. That thing could break some men. I'm he looks like a it. Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> <laughs> How they all had like accentuated features with their little 1950 zoot suits on. Yeah, if yeah. you put Garnacho in a zoot suit, he would look right at, at home in like a, a Dick Tracy film. Get him, get him, get him in a DC film. I'm ready yeah. for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into the table, guys. Uh, credit to United. Um, another massive win. And, and I, I want to cover the top five because United are now in that fifth position. Mm-hmm. So okay. bottom of the league, we have Sheffield with 13 points. Burnley with also 13 points. So they are tied bottom of the league now. 
Everton with 19 points, so they still have two, 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 six, six points ahead of mm-hmm. uh, both of those teams. Luton still one point ahead of Everton with a game in hand. At 20? Yep. And then Forest is still in trouble. They're at 21 points as well. So Okay, so even though so what basically saved everyone was everyone lost except for the bottom two. Exactly. Everyone that fight to get out of relegation has a lifeline because they all nobody won. And the, I guess that, that makes the biggest winner biggest winners of the weekend so far would be Sheffield United then mm-hmm. uh, because they gained points although they're still very very much, much in trouble. Welded to the bottom. Yeah, but they had another great performance from from Blades. But um, into the top five, Aston Villa is in forty. Well, they have forty six points. United has forty one points. So I'm just saying, if Villa keeps continuing to show these cracks, this huge cushion that they had from mm-hmm. December is very very slim. It's now. evaporating right now. Yeah, and that's that's that's. And I think good. that City and Arsenal are gonna want some revenge when they have to come. You know, Villa have to make the trip north and south. Yeah, it's 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 going to be tough for Villa going forward. Because um, I think just as much as um, the Arsenal wanted to show West Ham what's up, I think that Arsenal and City both want to like, especially after losing to them. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tottenham into fourth place with 47 points, just one point ahead of Villa. Uh, Arsenal, uh, 24 games played, 52 points. Man City with 23 games, so they got the game in hand. Who also have 52 points. And chilling in top of the league is Liverpool in first place with 54. So still a tight, tight mm-hmm. title race, still a tight top 10 overall, and a tight uh, uh, Premier League table at this time, Matt. Uh, do you want to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back yep, with the predictions? Let's take a break. Right back. All right, guys, we are back with the second half. Reese, you wanted to touch on uh, Chelsea Crystal Palace coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I originally had my prediction last week with more of a Chelsea win, but it was a little nervy. Uh, now they had a midweek performance against Villa uh, in the FA Cup where they looked dominant. What I liked about Chelsea in midweek was Moises Caicedo was dropping between the defenders when Chelsea had possession. And Enzo Fernandez and Conor Gallagher would drop more into the midfield instead of just being sent into the attack. So now we have a little bit more movement going on, a little bit more midfield chemistry. Well, I predicted you guys win 2-0. to zero. That's my prediction. I, I don't think that's a... With Olise and Eze out, it's very tough for Palace to score, but for some reason I see them scoring still because it's just Chelsea. What you do know? you think it's going to be? I'm sticking my 2-0. I think you're the better team. Three to one to Chelsea. Okay. I still think they find a way to score somehow and make me frustrated. But <laughs> what's the first game of next week? All right, my so friend? we're starting the Saturday slate out with Liverpool going to London to face Brentford. Uh, Man, uh, as we discussed in the early uh, predict uh, or the the reviews of the games of previous match weeks, I can't speak English today. Um, I can't think, so we're doing okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> uh, Brentford played really well, very organized defensively. Um, honestly, the game's going to come down to the second half. Uh, Brentford could be up 1-0 in the first half, and then Liverpool would win 5-1 to in the second half. That is the type of team they've been. Mm-hmm. They've been very, really bad in the first half and really, 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 really good in the second half. That's what half. I'm seeing. I'm seeing 3-1 to the pool because I honestly think that it's going to be one of those games where, yeah. like, unfortunately, like City, where Mope or Tony will get a goal early on, and then at the second half they'll come out and be like, okay, it's game time, bro, and they'll just, like, just, just run, run, run on them. I have predicted Liverpool to win every single game this season, pretty much. I, I see... think I'm the only one who predicted Arsenal to win <laughs> of the two of us against Liverpool Arsenal. I gotcha. This is the time. Actually, no, I did think. I think. I think I picked you guys to win too. Actually, all right, second time. Brentford, you guys, we are building a. I'm building a spreadsheet to keep track yeah, yeah. of these predictions and stuff. Because this will to, be bragging rights. We will be we will be putting our own our own our own ball knowledge on the line for next season. Yeah, we're getting a 
trophy. I'm getting one uh, over the summer of a Paco the Paco Cup. There you go. Awesome. A little Uh, chihuahua on a trophy to whoever wins. I I think Brentford walk away with points. I think it's going to be two to two, and I think it's going to be a fun game. I respect that, and I I, I hope that your answer is right. Just for competition, so it's just Chelsea and Ar- or City and Arsenal have a chance to catch up, and it'll be a one-point tile race. Yeah, I mean, Make things more interesting. I know, I know. You have some hope, man. No, I don't have any hope. I think this <laughs> is going to win this thing. What's the next? You didn't hear me coming in going, "We are back. We are back. We're super. We got super Mikarter. No, I was very during the Arsenal game. I was I was pretty level-headed in saying what I saw. Again, a six-zero beating. You can't not be a little happy. But oh, yeah. I still don't really have any illusions that City's that's, got the game in hand. That's, that's what I was just about if, to say. If Arsenal or Liverpool can't beat City in the next game time they play them, then the then it's going to be game to City because I know they're going to get their game in hand. They're going to take the top spot, and if those two teams have a chance, but they both have to go to the Etihad, and they both one of them has to win, and I just don't know who's going to do it. Yeah, because a draw gives it to City. Yeah, each time. Okay, so sorry about that tangent, guys. Next up, oh, man. next up we have Arsenal at Burnley. We go right back into Arsenal. <laughs> you could have saved the tangent for just yeah. this conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, Reese, how you see this game going? You were very high on Vincent Company all year, and very high on him this this game that just passed. I'm still high on Vincent Company, but I'm not high on the Burnley the Burnley Toff. No, not the Burnley Toffees. What's their nickname? The Clarets. Yeah, you're right. Turf Moor. Is that where they're Yeah, that's where they play at Turf Moor. Turf Moor. Turf Moor Toffees. I'm getting a mix Well, let's up. call him J.J. Watts Burnley. Let's just call him that. Oh, God. Do you know how many English fans would hate us, dude, if we did that? Let them. <laughs> this is J.J. Watts' team. Vincent Company, you are just a mere peasant oh, to no, J.J. No, no, no. He's okay. part of the ownership group. <laughs> nope. J.J. Watt owns you, Vincent Company. Know that. No, he does not. Take take that out of your mouth. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, 4-0 to Arsenal. I think They're they both score... very good athletes in their respective sports. <laughs> I think Arsenal score 10 goals uh, between the two games of West Ham and uh, Burnley, and I think it's 4-0 Actually, to Arsenal. What? I might even say that J.J. Watt was the Vincent Company of the NFL. Move on to your predictions, Matt. Uh, 2-1 to the Arsenal. J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Watt is such so handsome. <laughs> Uh, let's 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 move into the next game. All right, then. next up we have born born with at Newcastle. Uh, Woo! The Cherry Prince is needing. You know the Cherry Prince doesn't lose I need twice a in a row. Cowbell for my upset of the week because I'm predicting one zero to the Bournemouth Cherries at at the Magpie Stadium mm-hmm. too. So this is going to be a very fun game. Is this the main? Is this the ten thirty game? I, don't, I didn't write down the times, but okay. they're not the last game. The last game is City-Chelsea on that um, Saturday. So they're in the middle group. We play City next Saturday? Yeah, Chelsea at Manchester City. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to this game. Uh, very huge game. Very fun game. Uh, Newcastle is back into seventh, I believe. So mm-hmm. they're right around the Europa Conference League spot. So have been climbing the table. Uh, from previously being in tenth, I don't have an idea of where this game is going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to keep it simple, though. I think the Cherries lose this one, unfortunately, two to one to the Magpies. It hurts okay. me to say it, man. It hurts me to say it. Well, that's why I called it my upset because it is going to be an upset if they do it. Yeah, for sure. But I hope that's what's happening, and I see that Bournemouth needs a dust off game, and unfortunately, the dust off game is going to Newcastle. That's true. All right. Next up, we have West Ham going to Forest that we alluded to earlier. 
in the Forest discussion. Yeah, very, very big game for both teams. Uh, Forest needs to stay out of that relegation zone. They're only one point ahead of Luton, with a, and Luton have a game in hand. So, very big game for Forest. It feels like every game going forward. Um, West Ham, we have to decide. To, to, I feel like this is a, a turning point in the season mm-hmm. for West Ham, whether good or bad. Um, this is their Crystal Palace after the break that Arsenal had, or when mm-hmm. they went on that run where Arsenal beat City... Aston Villa beat City and Rodri was gone. Yeah. This is their Rodri's back. You got to win game. I agree. You got to do something. You got to cook. You're up against the wall. I think this is the game where they turn for the better. I think they get a win here. I think with based on the matchup styles, I think West Ham will do well absorbing the forest pressure and counterattack. 1-0 to West Ham. I'm going 1-1. 1-1. I could see that. Too. I think that Forest will get an like get a late screamer or an early goal of some kind yep. and then Bowen will do some sort of magic and get him a goal gotcha. on a counter strike. Gotcha. I can see it. All right. Next up, we're almost to the end of the next to the last game on Saturday is Wolves at Spurs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Guys. So these are Wolves huge. and Spurs are very similar to me in the way that they've been going this season. And I'm I'm going out on a limb here. I'm thinking a three three draw. Three three draw. Because they both don't when they are in their zone, they don't quit. Yeah. The thing with Wolves is they are a very solidified, organized defensive team. Um, and Spurs just throw haymakers. You mm-hmm. know, they're willing to go go into a fight. That's why I think this could be like a 2-0 and then Spurs bring it back. And then they use up their little energy bar, um, you know, their special bar, uh, like a video game. Yep. And then it's 3-3 and then it refills at the end of the game and they get, it's, you know, three, it, it starts 3-2 and then they get to 3-3. Gotcha. Sun magic or something at the end. I think with Sun and Madison being in the lineup, I think they'll just have a little too much quality for Wolves, but I think Wolves will make it entertaining. I'm with you. This is going to be a fun game. I'm going three. I'm going three to two. That's what I was going to say. I bet you're going to go three to two. Yeah, three to two to Spurs, but mm-hmm. it'll be a very fun game. All right, so we already basically said this game, and Reese put his hoodie down and just looks sad. But Chelsea is visiting Manchester City on the end game of Saturday. There's no hope for us, Matt. And, you know, I know we had a great performance against City the last time in one of the games of the season. It was a 4-4 draw, but Rodri, KDB, and Erling Holland. That's that's all I need to say. Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, they're... Yeah, um, I'm going to go with That's a... mention John Stones. <laughs> I'm going to go with a uh, 2-0 win for City. I think they win it comfortably. So, I think I was... I don't know what I was. Are you going to be a dickhead right now, Matt? I'm going to go five three to City. <laughs> Why? I don't just know. a FIFA game, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, if we score three goals, I'll be proud of us. Uh, if we lose eight to three, as long as we <laughs> score three goals, I'll be proud of us, man. I just think that Cole Palmer, that shit where he pulled early this season, where he just went over his old team and acted like he was in the huddle, Dude, and all I had to push him out. I think he's going to bring that energy. So remember when Zinchenko and Jesus went to Arsenal and they, they were, were just, like bullying Zinchenko? Yeah, they were bullying Zinchenko. <laughs> yeah. Cole Palmer don't take it. Cole Palmer, I think, is your X factor in this game. And I think maybe I was smoking some like Cole Palmer lace something when I predicted this 5-3. I think he's going to ultimately not be able to win the game, but I think he's going to give him trouble. It just depends, man. If if Christopher if Christopher if he even plays, is he even gonna play? Palmer will play. Okay. He has to start. I think Paul. The front three that I would play if I'm Chelsea is Nico Jackson as a left winger, Christopher and Kunku up top, and Cole Palmer down the right flank. I think that's the best front three we can do, uh, because for some reason we're afraid to bench Gallagher. So, 
What's the next game for us, man? You're afraid to bench Gallagher because Gallagher has been your most consistent player all season. Yeah. Mr. Never do a f- never put a foot wrong type of guy. You know? Well, he puts foot wrong, but he is your he's like your engine. Yeah, he. he I don't know how to describe this. He's the um, in a failing work team, he's the guy that comes in with a smile on his face every morning and gets everyone to at least perform a little bit. <laughs> I could see that. He's the guy who brings donuts and coffee. <laughs> He's just the guy that tries his hardest. Yeah, he tries. And, and when you guys have been in the doldrums, in the down, the, the you know dark places, he's been the guy that you, every other fan of every other team has looked at and go, wow, that guy's really kind of good. Yeah. You just depressed me, by the way, by telling me that we play Ch- City next Saturday. So thank you, Matt. What hey, sucks for the Sunday? Well, I was going to tell you that that was something I couldn't change. It's going to own the schedule. I it's have inevitable, to go over it. but it's yeah. just painful, dude. It's painful. <laughs> All right. So now we're entering the Sunday slate, and we, the opening of that will be a Brighton at Sheffield United. Again, Sheffield are starting to put in really good performances, and Brighton have Matoma back, who, again, down the left flank is was cooking Pedro Porro. Uh, uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday, um, it was yesterday. <laughs> thank you. It's gonna be close, man. I genuinely think Sheffield have a shot, but I think Brighton edge it away with maybe Deserby coming back. I think it's two one Brighton. I'm thinking zero 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 really. Yeah. Okay. I just Sheff Bournemouth's gotten streaky in the second half of the season, and Sheffield have improved. Gotcha. Um, next up, we have Man United going to Luton Town to the Cauldron. Yes, sir. To the cauldron, man. If they don't, tra- if, if Ten Hag doesn't the come Callaway with the- Road, the cauldron. Yeah, if Ten Hag doesn't go in with the mindset that this is a big game, then he is sadly mistaken. Uh, Luton are really good against these big six. Clubs. If he doesn't, or yeah, the top half of the table, let's call it that. Yeah, there you go. Um, if he doesn't come in with his Ten Hag like big game brain on, and he just recounts on Garnacho magic, I think he's going to have some serious trouble. Yeah, I think this game is going to be very close contested. Uh, but I ultimately have it as the same scoreline, which United beat Villa today, two to one. I'm going to go two to one United. Uh, I got well. three to two. Yeah. I don't know how this game's going to play, but I think Luton's going to score. But ultimately, yeah. I think that if if Ten Hag doesn't come up with a plan, Garnacho will grab the game by the scruff and and score. One of those front he's three got guys. The, he's got the movement to disrupt this Luton Town team. For sure. Um, the worst thing that could happen is he does something dumb where he decides to bench him to play McTominay as like a false nine early or something stupid. Keep McTominay on the bench. Keep measure mm-hmm. as your 75th minute hero, man. I like it. Okay. All right. So that takes care of the Sunday games. There's just Brighton, Sheffield, Man United, Luton, and we have a Monday game. Crystal Palace at Everton. Yeah, Crystal Palace is getting Monday love, huh? Mm-hmm. Monday night football. All righty. Uh, huge relegation game for Everton, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an opportunity for them to take the relegation. To jump over Luton and get right in that fight with Crystal Palace. Exactly. Um, Especially with Luton probably going to lose. Yeah. But we've said that a couple times before, yeah. and Luton continue to prove us wrong. Up the Hatters, man. Up the Hatters. Um, this is going to be close, dude. I'm going to go 1-0 Everton just because of the p- missing pieces for Palace. I think it's starting to kill them. It just sucks, man. I really want to see Hodgson get some points to get out of this this drama with mm-hmm. the fans, but it's it's tough right now. Well, and I think the Sheffield game did help him, even though it was a nervy game. Yep. Um, he ultimately kept his cool and his team kept their cool and got it done. But I see this as a 1-1 draw. I think Palace will score early and Everton will get something late in the second half off of Calvert-Lewin header or something. I agree. Well, Matt, that wraps it up for our predictions. I don't have any stoppage time questions for you, but I think we're going to go into a deep debate from what I've yeah. uh, glimpsed. 
So, guys, if you do not keep up with world football, uh, two nuclear games happened over the weekend. Set and the stage for us. So yeah. let's explain what's happening in the Bundesliga for people who don't know. Yep. Uh, so going into Saturday, Bayer Leverkusen had a two-point lead over Bayern Munich, and they played at 10.30 a.m. Arizona time yesterday. Ultimately, Bayer Leverkusen ended up winning the game 3-0, and... Your boy Tuchel looking kind of... Very, very lackluster performance from Bayern. Um, I think in terms of the game, there was not enough service or movement from Harry Kane, and I think that was partially Tuchel's fault uh, because of the midfielder he fielded. Midfield he fielded. Midfielded. I don't know. That, the that... midfield he placed on the pitch. Thanks. <laughs> um, or he utilized. I felt like although Kimmich has not had a great season at Bayern, he should have played, and especially in a big game like this, and you're playing against Granit Xhaka, who is a totally reformed player now. Um, but here's the question. We'll start with with the German league. Now that Leverkusen has a five-point lead over Bayern, is this finally the first time in, I think it's 10 or 11 seasons, that Bayern don't win the league? So last year they Bayern sorry, Borussia Dortmund lost it right at the very last at day. the last seconds of the season last year from a Jamal Musiala winner. And since then they haven't had any real competition since Klopp left. Yep. Um, I think that this may be the changing of the guard, but unfortunately I've got to worry that Leverkusen and Stuttgart have shown what they can do in this league, and they're going to be picked clean. Um, by the Premier League. Um, Savi Alonso's not even going to be there next season, which is pretty sad to see. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, he yeah. won't be. I think he's. I think he is a surefire Liverpool coach, in my opinion, unless something drastic changes. But um, you know, unless Ancelotti, he's basically been told that he's going to get the Real Madrid job. Ancelotti's going to finish his career, and then he's in that. Yeah. And he's basically playing with house money in Germany. Yeah. Um, and they're building the team for him, not for Ancelotti, so he can come in and hit the ground running. Right. It's a project with Real Madrid. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of options for Sabi Alonso now. Um, but to answer your question, this season I think they're in trouble. I think next season the deck will be reshuffled for them, and I think Bayern will have a real shot next season. So you think Leverkusen win the league this year? That's your official prediction? Yeah, because they don't. So Leverkusen is undefeated. They played Bayern twice. Now, Bayern has to count on everyone else beating an unbeaten team and them not messing up. They're basically arsenaling it. (laughs) This may be a little bit of a Tuchel bias for me, but in terms of Leverkusen, I think what is making me a little bit nervy for them is the fact that they're undefeated. Like They are one game away from breaking Bayern's record or matching Bayern's undefeated record of not losing a game. But the thing is, is since the start of the year, Leverkusen's performances have not been that good. Uh, they have won their games, but they have only won them in tight, squeezy, close games. So I agree, Matt, that I think Leverkusen end up winning the league. But I think it's going to be very, very similar to last season in regards to how it ended. So I'm, I brought up the table, or sorry, Baron Leverkusen's next couple of matches. So I'm looking for a game that may give them trouble. And it's Wolfsburg on the 10th. And I saw Stuttgart on here somewhere. Yeah, Stuttgart, the third team, is on April 27th. After that, Bayern is is is, is wishing somebody could beat them. There's only two real teams that can probably give them a bloody nose. Yeah. It just comes down to the performances with Lever- Leverkusen. It seems like that win was a big motivation for them, but I'm with you. Leverkusen to win the league this season 
And I think that puts Tuchel's uh, job at risk as well. They still got to face my buddy Juan's team. He has family that lives in Stuttgart. And um, they're a big team among American military because yeah. Stuttgart is right there by the military base at Romstein. So a lot of Americans do have... I actually... That that would be the German team I'd probably root for if I had to pick a German team. Shout out Garassi, the Stuttgart striker. Mm-hmm. Possible... Uh, I think he only has like a 17 million release clause mm-hmm. for the summer. Crazy. But the thing is, it's like that's their biggest challenge coming up. And if Stuttgart even gets them, they Bayern still got to hope that they drop points someplace else. Yep. And they don't lose any more games. Let's head over to the La Liga. Uh, so, so just some context. Yeah, just some context. Girona and Real Madrid were tied on points mm-hmm. heading into the Saturday game. And Girona had headhunted to all the top teams, Atletico, Barcelona, and, they have and I think Valencia too. And they've dethroned them all uh, mm-hmm. until they ran into, unfortunately, Real Madrid on Saturday where they got absolutely trashed 4-0. Jude Bellingham did a signature celebration. Mm-hmm. Vinicius Jr. looked insane. Um, I think we'll have another stoppage time next week maybe for Vinicius in regards to Real Madrid and, and Mbappe. Oh, you're gonna touch on those rumors? Yeah, I wanna. I just want to discuss some some hypotheticals, but I think it'll be fun. But um, that's the only way I've heard that they can get the money to get Mbappe, and they're counting on Manchester United not wanting to break financial fair play. Right. Um, into the La Liga. Any hope for Girona now at this point after dropping points? Not. I, so I wouldn't say there is no hope, but I think it's. 60 40 60 if i had to go madrid wins it um but girona was like coasting off vibes from what i've seen because i watched the uh, girona season highlights right and i think they were just they were leicester sitting yet and then they ran into the like this would be the leicester city season if like city or united was actually good and keeping pace them it wasn't a depleted geriatric arsenal and third place in a two-horse race Spurs trying to compete with Leicester. But it was like a big dog trying to compete with this upstart team. As for Girona, um, they have a really talented player named Savio, who... So the the ownership of Girona... He took the two from a French club, right? That bought him from Brazil? Yeah, and that both of those two clubs, so the club that loaned Savio to Girona, Mm -hmm. are all owned by City. The City Football Group. Yep. Now, City are probably gonna, City have just confirmed the purchase of Savio to join their team for next season. But the league's making them pay fair market value, the Premier League, for this player because they were trying to basically just trade him for like that $15 million. Well, or, that's, yeah, that's what I was just about to mention mm-hmm. is this is a new rule that's mm-hmm. being placed is in regards to the multi-club ownership. Mm-hmm. They now have to start a fair, fair market valuing mm-hmm. their own players now. In regards to that as well, if Girona somehow can pull up a cat out of a bag, cat out of a hat, you know, rabbit out of a hat, rabbit, <laughs> rabbit out of a hat, guys, I got three cats at home. Uh, I get so rab- My brain's come back a little bit. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, save me, Matt. Uh, rabbit out of a hat. In regards to um, winning the league, if City also win the league, that's going to create big issues for the City ownership group in regards to the Champions League of next season. They're already saying that basically. That from what I understand it, I watched a video on this because I'm fascinated by City Football Group. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're also owning club. They're looking to buy a club in Mexico, and this will also interfere with Concacaf Champions League. Yeah, you're right. Um, because they have Mexico, Mexico um, competes in that group with the U.S. and Canada, but U.S. and Canada have share Major League Soccer. Yep. 
so they can't own two MLS teams even if they buy like the Toronto Maple or Toronto FC. Yep. Um, but they can buy teams in Mexico, and this will create the same problem. And Concacaf has already basically said that two ownerships can't compete. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the, they're going to back it up in UEFA. Yeah, it's going to be tricky for City over the next two seasons, I think, especially mm-hmm. with them because Girona is probably going to make Champions League. And oh, definitely because their only real competition is Barcelona. They get three spots. Yeah, I thought they get four too, right? Yeah, but they're fourth to playoff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just yeah. like the Premier League would be Top under five. the current rules. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. But yeah, in regards to that, man, we, we uh, the league, the world football is starting to become more interesting because of FFP limits on the English Premier League, which is starting to help these other teams across the world. So I'm only hoping that over the next decade that this continues to be persistent rules where they're not inflating one league over the other. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about the La Liga is their favoritism and bias towards only Real Madrid and Barcelona. They have mm-hmm. not given Girona enough credit this season or promoted them enough to that extent. So, my opinion, like with La Liga, like you spoke to, their rights deals, the Premier League, Manchester City and Luton both make the same amount of money. Yep. Sheffield and Arsenal both make the same amount of money. Now it's off of, up to Arsenal, City to go and get more money from other sources, but the yep. media revenue is split evenly yep. among all 20 teams. You go to the La Liga. In La Liga... I think it's 35, 35 to each, and then the remaining, so that gives you, yeah, uh, or maybe it's 50, 25, 25, and then the remaining 50% split between 18 other exactly. teams. I think that's more the, the math split. And what's crazy about that is, is Atletico Madrid literally won the league two seasons ago. Oh, they went to a Champions League final, too, against Real Madrid. They, it's just, it, I think La Liga has reached a point where it's too corrupt in mm-hmm. terms of What's been going on? So the problem is, is that I see it is if they op- Real Madrid will be fine. Barcelona if, is screwed. if they open it up and make it competitive like the Premier League has, and they don't have nearly as much TV rights um, as the uh, of course Premier of course. League does. But if they open it up to make it more competitive, they basically kill Barcelona. They yeah. kill one of their golden gooses. And Barcelona is already on. Very- they've also sold part of those TV rights to other people for cash now, and if they cut it, then I don't know if that loan will hold. And in the summer, we should do a special specifically on Barcelona and how screw they might actually be. Because Barcelona, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting. I'm not a big financial person. I know you're more uh, into that sort of aspect of of, uh, ownership and that type of thing. But with Barcelona, I find it interesting how they are going to manage their money over the next 10 to 15 years. Because they're selling themselves out right now, basically. Well, here, so I went to Barcelona two years ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't get the chance to see Barcelona play because I they moved some games around and interfered. I was going to go see them at Espanyol, yep. but they shifted stuff around um, because they got dropped into the Europa League. You saw the Barcelona-Sevilla game or Sevilla game? Sevilla-Espanyol. Sevilla-Espanyol, that's what it was. So. But, so back to what I... So I did go do the tour. Mm-hmm. Once I realized I couldn't get to the game, um, I decided to go do a tour of Barcelona. And I've been to tours of the Emirates, tours of the Amex. Um, who else had a tour? Um, I'm thinking here. It was a British team. Um, Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. Arsenal, the, all three of those teams have one thing in common. They aren't selling patches of grass on the field. Oh, my gosh. Barcelona yeah. is, it was like going to Disneyland 
Like, I think I showed you my pictures where you have to buy a picture as part of the tour. Like, it's not included in the price. Like, you can't leave until you pay for a picture. You have to pay five euros to take a picture. They're literally looking for any reason to get revenue at this point. Yeah, they're selling patches of... They, they literally have a patch of grass that comes off at the cover during playtime. They lift it up and they chop a piece of grass off of the field for you if you pay for it. And a family paid for it from Russia... When I was there, they lifted up this cover and they sliced a piece of grass, put it in a little bonsai pot, gave them a certificate of authenticity, handed it to them, and they handed 45 euros over to them. That's just so overpriced for a piece of grass, man. That's crazy. It's not the pitch that they play on. It's the under portion of it. It's the under portion of the pitch. They're selling the under portion of the pitch. When I went to Arsenal, they had men guarding the Emirates pitch. Yeah. There were four men. Big burly British men that I didn't want to mess the with. Stewards, yeah. No, like these were real, legit stewards, though. Like yeah. real stewards. They had the taser guns, stuart. man. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't get near that pitch. I could smell it, but I couldn't touch it. Yeah. The Amex, they had a gate around it. You couldn't touch their pitch. Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium. You couldn't get. You can get on. You can go down to the bottom as the tour, but you don't get any. You can see the pitch, but the the pitch is as far away from me as I am from you right now. I can see the pitch, but I can't touch it unless I'm like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, of course. Shout out to Fantastic Four. But in regards to that, you like with all the changes with Barcelona, they've now had to change their stadium name to Spotify Camp New. They've sold over 50% of their TV rights for the next 10 to 15 years. Barcelona are in trouble now. They're cannibalizing their success yep. to try to do something that they're not even doing. And in the summer, we'll we'll touch base with Barcelona, because uh, I feel like it'd just be good for because guys during the summer it's mainly going to be about transfer rumors mm-hmm. and us just discussing over world yeah. football related items. Yeah. Um, but in that regard, final thoughts, Girona. Give me a percentage of Girona winning the league this season. Sixty or six or fifty-five, forty-five. I think that they still have a shot because Mariabadri is not invincible. They're yep. good. They're even great. But I, it, both these teams are great. And Real Madrid has slowly slowed down. Slowly slowed down. They have slowed down from last season in regards to their performances. And they're very injured at the back right now. So there is a window that Girona have. In my opinion, I just don't think they have the gas for the rest of the season to get them over the hump. But that's just me. But what are your percentages on it? I'd say it is currently 45-55 uh, for Girona. 45% Girona to win the league. So we're basically on the same boat here. Yeah, very close, but and not enough. So I'm actually loving this season because the Premier League is competitive. Three teams at the top and uh, two dark horses trying to make it into... The- intermittently making themselves yep. into the race. You have Stuttgart, who's a top four team mm-hmm. now. A bunch of teams that, Stuttgart and Girona in particular, two historic clubs, mm-hmm. finally getting uh, into the top four to finally hopefully getting them over the hump of being a consistent mid-table tool. And there are other teams in the Liga that are showing signs of life. Yep. But I, with the Liga, I really think they need to change their financial model. I agree. But they also need to like say something to like Barcelona that's saying, like, hey, we're going to basically pay the loan back that you sold to reset this so that you don't go broke. Yeah, because you do need Barcelona in the La Liga. Mm-hmm. It, uh, as it's it's fair with the TV rights, you know, why Barcelona is so important, but uh, I just don't like the like what you said, the 50-50 splits, basically, mm-hmm. that they're getting. But, it gives too much advantage to those two teams, and they've used it to bully everybody because, yeah. honestly, Atletico has been the only team until right now that's given either of those teams or any kind of competition. If it wasn't for Diego Simeone, it literally only would have been Real Madrid and Barcelona the last 24 years, which is crazy. Um, 
Matt, we've had a special episode. Uh, we will be back with you guys next Sunday for some more footy, and I'm loving the games next weekend. And we'll cover Chelsea, too. Yeah, unfortunately. Twice. Unfortunately. <laughs> Chelsea, or bad, sorry. Wrap us up, my friend. Live long and watch some football, lads. See you next week.